Hi everyone, this is Vanessa from Inquisition. We created Tap In because we're interested in the various talents throughout Africa who are doing meaningful work that we find fascinating. Tapped In is our effort at sharing our ongoing learnings about how they optimize their work and respective teams as well as their general philosophies about work. Thanks for joining us and enjoy. Welcome to this week's episode of Tapped In. This week we interview Simon Bromfield from Adobe. Simon's the Territory Manager for Africa. In this podcast, we'll talk about his experience doing creative work across the continent, some of his tips and rituals related to running and fitness and optimizing performance, and also about how to manage creative teams. So enjoy. Thanks so much for joining us on the first uh, Tapped In podcast. Oh, thank you very much. We're very excited to be here today. Cool. So I think before we get started, uh, just for some context, if you could perhaps talk us through what you do, where you work. Sure. Um, um, so my name is Simon Bromfield. I am the Territory Account Manager for Adobe in Africa. I look after all key account customers from South Africa up into Kenya, Nigeria, um, and all these interesting places. Um, had quite a few different roles in Adobe, um, but this is the one that I'm sticking with at the moment. So right off the bat, that's an interesting one. You've worked across Africa. Mm. Um, where have you been? Where have you traveled? Um, just about name it. Um, when I first started with Adobe, I actually looked after Egypt and Morocco as well. So went up there quite a few times. Um, and then we decided to focus more on West Africa, Nigeria um, and Ghana. Um, and then later expanded into Kenya and um, the other markets around it. I, I do personally prefer East Africa. Yeah. I find it a much easier place to work. And there's a lot of corporate governance there that you can rely on. So it's okay. been interesting. And just as a naive South African, what are you? What kind of products are you typically selling into those markets? I mean, what, are the, what does the creative community look like? Oh, the creative community up there is so vibrant. I mean, yeah. in Nigeria, to give you an idea, we once did an event where we invited film producers to come and show how they do filming and what they work with. And um, we had a venue that seated 200 people. We had about 1,500 people Jeez. pitch up. Each of them Classic. were carrying... Yeah. They were carrying their desktops under their arms to come and show us their film production. Everything was done on Adobe products, yep. and we'd never sold a product in the country. Yeah, that's <laughs> not, yeah, that does sound like the. So the it, it was very interesting. So the the creative communities in East Africa, West Africa are very very vibrant, very self starter. Um, if you look at especially East Africa, the internet connectivity is actually better than South Africa. So there's a lot of things that we can actually learn from them yep. in terms of the way that they work and the productions that they do. And are they kind of the top questions that you were asked when you're there? Um, depends on the country. So, you know, a lot of um, when we first went in places like Lagos and Nigeria, um, there was a lot of why weren't we there earlier? Why hadn't we invested yeah. into the regions? And a lot of people were very keen on the products, just didn't know where to get it um, and how to, how to access it. And then there was a lot of um, questions about how to get exposure for themselves outside of the region because they were brimming with talent, you know, brimming with ideas and just wanted to get it out and get that global exposure that they needed. Very right, cool. I'll well, probably come back and touch on this again, but I mm. think let's, let's go rewind a bit back to where you work. So who's in the Adobe South Africa team or what does the team look like? Um, the South Africa team is really small. We have about 12 permanent employees here and we have a lot of contractors coming in on work um, projects. But um, yeah, we're very small, but part of a global organization. Uh, I forget the numbers, but I think Adobe's over 20,000 employees globally now. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a big organization. And is the main role here in South Africa primarily sales? Sales, sales marketing, um, and consulting. If you had to sort of narrow it down, what makes an ideal sales guy? Because 
this is something I think I struggle with quite a lot when I'm hiring someone. So mm. I think maybe you maybe you've got some insight into that. Sure. So so sales is interesting. It's a it's changed a lot. So when we when we started in sales, people always told us that we had to be relationship managers and you had to maintain a relationship with your customer. But that you know, with the Wall Street yeah. crash and everything, that changed a lot. And when you're looking for salespeople now, you actually need people that can almost cause conflict within your customer's environment because people are set in their ways. And for them to change, your sales guy needs to be the catalyst. So you want that person that thinks slightly differently to the status quo. Sure, that sounds like quite a tough mission. So if I was a sales guy for you guys, how do I get put into a new company to to cause conflict? I mean, how do you make that introduction? How do you um, say you've got a problem? Yeah, so it, it's, it takes a lot of research on the customer. You need to understand yep. the customer better than they know themselves and understanding their issues and looking at what other global companies are doing in the same space. Because although we are a very isolated market, we have a lot of pressure from international companies wanting to trade here and starting to almost snipe in and steal customers, consumers away from our brands. And that has caused a lot of conflict, and that's a good place to start yep. with South African industry because we've been isolated for a very long time, and suddenly you've got the Walmarts and the guys coming in that's changing the game. Yeah, that's a fascinating insight because I suppose we often lose sight of that in the consulting world where we are not necessarily threatened by the bigger international players. Deloitte, mm. KPMG have got offices here already. We understand them as a threat. Um, let's rewind back even further then. Sure. On a typical day, what is what do you do? I mean, what what's the routine look like? Um, yeah, so it starts pretty early in the morning, going either for a cycle or a run, um, and then getting into the office, seeing customers, the usual admin rubbish, and making sure that we have defined goals for our team, looking at how we're going to approach customers. So a lot of our time is actually spent um, thinking about what our engagements are with our customers and then going to present and meeting with them. So it's it's an interesting day. If we had to choose one thing as part of your day that you wouldn't be able to live without, uh, uh, what would it be? Definitely either going for a run or cycle in the morning. And you're a road cyclist or a mountain biker? Uh, in between. Sure, okay, so, that's interesting. So I enjoy my mountain bike yeah. a lot more than my road, but um, riding in the morning on uh, off-road is a bit of a challenge. Yeah, and where do you go riding? Uh, just around Bedford View, Edenvale, out to the airport. Uh, sure. Yeah. And when you're on the bike, because I'm always interested as a very bad biker, uh, I prefer my mo- motorbike. Um, what do you think about when you're on the mountain bike? Is it a time of silence or solace? or Yeah, it, well, we have a very chatty group. So, ah, so you're riding together as a group? Yeah, so okay. we have a big group of guys that cycle together um, and we just talk rubbish for, for yep. two hours in the morning. Um, when I run, that's when you get a lot of contemplation yep. um, and you're running for 45 minutes to an hour by yourself. You get a lot of time to think about things. And I find it's a very good time for you to plan and actually get you out of a rigid way of thinking when you're talking to customers or thinking about what you're going to be presenting that day. Um, okay. That's a good time. So... I suppose, I mean, as an in, out of interest, are you conducting any business in this group of cyclists or is that no, off No, it's, it's purely social. Yeah. A lot of the people in our groups are entrepreneurs, self-starters, um, where our business focus is more on corporate customers. Yeah. So, but it's it, what I really enjoy is getting outside perspective and different perspectives in different industries because, you know, in a given day, I won't be speaking to a civil engineer or yeah. a an accountant, but when we're cycling, you're chatting with these guys and understanding what the issues are that they're dealing with. And yeah, it's, it gives you a lot of insight into what's going on in the country. 
That's true. So you mentioned research is a really important part of what you guys do as part of your sales process. Mm. How do you start the research process? I mean, is it are you starting online doing a search for companies or? Yeah, so re- research is interesting. A lot of, there's a ton of information available online um, and you need to be able to measure that because a lot of people, what they put on their public facing websites aren't always what's talking, what what's actually is going on in the business. So you need to look around um, and, and try and mesh third party data and data that you've got yourself to give you a more holistic view of what actually is going on. Um, and global trends and research and information that's coming out of guys, um, I forget what it's called, we use a tool called Goldmine, okay. that essentially you can find any data you want on anyone in, it's pretty cool. It's a good segue into me asking you specifically, what kind of tools uh, or services are you using on a daily basis that help you do your job? Um, so from a work perspective, I think the most productive products in like uh, Adobe Acrobat, you know, for because I use it every day for everything that I do in terms of communication with customers, but I also use a lot of um, third-party websites. I look on um, between 10 and 8, um, Biz Community, just to get an idea of what's yep. going on in the industry. So, you know, we dip into a lot of different things, but those are the main ones. And uh, Adobe Acrobat, because that for me in my head is a PDF tool. What mm. are you guys using it for? Yeah, so it's essentially what we've done with it is almost made it into a hub for okay. communication. Um, and what we've done is we bought a company called eAcosign, and we've included that now. So it's e-signatures. So I can view all of my contracts, view all of my sales agreements, check on anything that we're doing literally. Um, you know, if it's someone needs to do changes in terms and conditions, I can see that straight away by looking in, in the system because it tracks everything. So that's pretty cool. That's very interesting. I've never given a thought of it being used for more than what I do, which is sign lease agreements. Yeah. Which I feel as I'm getting older, that tends to be exactly what I keep on doing, which is signing lease agreements. So the other thing I'm obviously interested in is outside of work, I mean, what's on, you've got an iPhone, Mm. uh, favorite apps or tools that you're using on there that help you make Mm. sense of the day? Uh, Well, my favorite app at the moment is probably Stitcher. Yeah. Uh, I thoroughly enjoy that. Um, That's the one I go to the most and Flipbook. So if I don't know what Stitcher is, what is it? Uh, Stitcher is a podcast okay. tool. Um, I have a whole lot of podcasts that I subscribe to, varying things, a lot of sports stuff, yep. as well as um, business podcasts that I listen to, Freakonomics, yep. um, some weird stuff like What You Missed in History Class. And just What's the like host of that? Dan? No, not Dan. Um, which one? Freakonomics? Uh, no, the history. What You Missed in History Class. Oh. Uh, there's two ladies that are doing it. Oh, brilliant. No, it's, okay. it's very clever. It's it's something, you know, you don't necessarily, it's not a topic that you'd be interested yeah. in until you listen to it and then you realize there's a lot more behind the story. Than and when are you listening to these things? Uh, either when I'm cycling by myself yeah. or when I'm at the office or on my way to office, listening to it on the car. And you mentioned the business podcast. If you had to narrow it down to say, one that you thought I couldn't live without, what would you suggest? Um, the, the one that I enjoy the most is most probably Freakonomics, uh, just because it's a very different way of looking at data, different way of looking at problems, and they they, they take topics and, and just take different angles, which I thoroughly enjoy. Okay. On to that subject, I mean, one of the things I'm always curious about is where people draw their sources of information from. So you've mentioned between 10 and 5, Biz Community, and some of the podcasts. Um, is that primarily where you get your insight about the community from, or the design community? Uh, yeah, that and a lot of you know engagements with customers and talking to customers. Because yeah. the South African industry, 
is very fragmented. Um, there's, you know, you've got different disciplines. So you've got print guys, you've got web guys, you've got video guys. And they don't always talk on the same forums and the same discussions. So there's a lot of places like Creative Cow where you can get great video tech information. There's 10 and 8 where you get fantastic um, local content. Yep. Your Behance is a really cool website. Um, In your interactions with all, all these guys across various sectors, is there any challenges that you think are commonly held between them or do you think they face very different challenges? I think all of them have, have very, they all have their unique challenges, but all of it is drove, driven around mobile. Okay. All of the problems that people are dealing with is how do we get onto mobile? Whether you're a video editor or a print magazine designer, it's the same issue. You know, okay. People are moving away from traditional readerships, traditional products, and they're moving to tablets and, and devices. And how do you retain ownership of your content? And what's your thinking or your business's thinking around the mobile environment? I mean, are you gearing up to assist in that regard? Mm. Yeah, so Adobe's done a lot of investments in the space. Um, we are the number one uh, web content management technology product out. Um, we own a technology called Adobe Experience Manager, which is for delivering content to web. Uh, one of the other technologies we own is Adobe Analytics, which is essentially being able to analyze all customer engagements with your products on any platform so when you say all i mean that would that's a, i guess a competitor for what google analytics yeah it's uh, i would say it's a it's a different product offering because um, google analytics is a free analytics tool whereas we paid for analytics so all of the data that you're getting on your website is your data yeah belongs to you no one else has access to it where other tools allow other people to get access to it. So that would be the key and differentiate in that's that regard, key keep your data. Yeah, and that's why, you know, if you look at the global websites, I think 199 out of, the, uh, I think it's like 99 out of the top 100 websites all use Adobe Tech now, oh, really? purely from that. Because if you're going out there and you're making, uh, you know, your web um, uh, products available, you want to make sure that any analytics that are generated off that is yours and your data. Are there any concerns around privacy or is it primarily around proprietary data? It's around proprietary data. Okay. So privacy, we agree, you know, and we follow all of the rules around um, yeah. Safe Harbor and uh, Poppy and all these things. So privacy is not an issue. It's more about being able to get people to make a conversion. Um, so when you're engaging with a customer, you need to be able to deliver the right message to them at the right time. So if you go onto Google and you search for Nike shoes and Woolworths comes up, you should be able to click on the Woolworths link and go straight to where a Nike shoe ad, not to the shoes department. Yep, 100% agree. And that's, um, that's the thing that we need to look at. Okay. And so I, I suppose that lends itself to a question around the best bit of insight you've ever been given about the South African community or design community. Quite a tough question, I guess. Um, mm. But are there any really amazing insights or people that you kind of feel are the go-to guys for? Um, yeah, there's, just, there's some crazy people and some really interesting ways that people do things. Um, there's a community, and I won't talk about South Africa now, but a community in East Africa called Skunk Works. Yep. And they're just doing the most amazing, the most amazing um, um, content out there. When I, when I went up there the first time, I thought we were going to be teaching them something, and I learned yeah. for the entire trip. I mean, I was just amazed at what they're doing. Here in South Africa, there's some fantastic designers, there's some fantastic content being created, and the guys like um, Uno from uh, 10 and 8, they really are um, leading this discussion and, and putting a lot of good content out. And the skunk works, because that really interests me. Um, what, what, 
what did you learn from them? I mean, what are they doing that maybe we could try and learn from here? So, so one of the things is around web content management and, and using web technologies. So in South Africa, we're still thinking feature phones. So when we speak to, yeah. to customers, they're saying, oh, but we need to work on a Nokia 9, what's in the 8110. And it's like, that's, and they, they don't even think about that. They're yeah. thinking purely about high-end smartphones and delivering content that is engaging. Um, and there's amazing projects that are going on up there. I mean, we, to watch, go to, I once went to school where they were doing a full um, lecture from, with a um, Samsung TV nailed to a tree. Sure. And they had full, I think it was 100 megabits per second, internet connectivity to that device. They had a lecturer from somewhere in, um, uh, what country was it? I think it was in Morocco or in Tunisia doing the class. And you were sitting... Oh, so it's a satellite... Satellite linkage from Europe or from, from the Middle East doing a class, mathematics, and these kids were sitting and watching it. It was just mind-blowing. I mean, we couldn't do that here in South Africa, yep. not for love of money. So there's a lot of things that they're doing up there that we can learn from. Primarily around sounds sounds like access and that entrepreneurial spirit. Or no, not necessarily entrepreneurial. Um, it's it's a sense of or endeavor or curiosity. I guess is mm-hmm. really interesting to me because nailing a Samsung TV to the tree means not only are the teachers switched on, the kids want to learn desperately. Yeah. Um, do you think that that for me is a fascinating insight in and of itself? It'd be interesting as a challenge to see how you can breed that uh, curiosity here at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you look at some of the projects, and I'm sorry, I forget the name, there's one that's going on in Durban at the moment where they've got a um, school, not a school, they've got a, an, a a social network that's been established basically around local African content where you deliver everything by a cell phone. And um, it's an incredible uh, concept that's out there. And they've got in, uh, really good readerships and viewerships. Um, you know, the number one topic is poetry. People okay. reading poetry and people, and essentially the model is, you um, get paid in airtime for the content. So the more people that listen to your cast or your vodcast or whatever you're doing, you get more money off it. So there's some really cool things going on in South Africa as well. Okay, speaking of poetry again, I mean you, you're very good at the segueing and help helping me segue <laughs> into my questions. Uh, talking about reading and 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 learning, I guess is what kind of books? If you had to think of the books that you want to share with other people, what books would you kind of put on that that list? Are you um, a big reader, I suppose? Uh, is the big, I am big a very reader. big reader. I used to read a lot of books. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just with with the, the explosion of the internet, and yeah. it, it's my, my, my reading has turned to more into audio and to listening. Okay. Um, so I listen to a lot of books and a lot of media. I was just trying to think there's... It's not a new book, but it's something that I've recently started looking at and, and getting to understand is the Challenger sales process, which okay. is a very interesting look. And who's that by? Um, I'm forgetting the name, but I can get we'll it We'll put it in you. the notes, yeah. yeah. Challenger sales process, um, and there's some really cool design books out there. I'm sorry, I'm blanking on yeah. names at the moment, but they just thinking differently. And the challenger process, I mean, what that? The, what's the central nugget there that you... It's, it's about being a challenger. It's about taking the status quo and upsetting it, upsetting okay. the apple cart. Not badly, but getting it that your customer actually starts thinking about what you're doing and where you're going with, with technology and with products. Um, okay, so and then the design industry, you said you've blanked on the, the names, but what sort of themes are you reading about? Um, typically, it's about the evolution of design uh, looking at where design fits into the economy um, and how design is influencing people's decisions. 
Um, and when, how, do you, how does Adobe define design? So creativity is the core of everything. And okay. if you look at any business that's, we, we did some research recently, if you look at any business that's growing or in the top performing in the industry, and you ask them to rank creativity, creativity ranks higher than most of the other business processes. And you need to be able to be creative in your business in order to grow. Um, that, you know, to embrace creativity is something that, you know, if you look at Silicon Valley, that's why all of these startups like Supercell and that are doing so well, because they've just taken um, creativity to the next level. Any South African businesses you think are exemplify that? Um, it's probably FNB in terms of, you know, traditional businesses yep. with their web content and the way that they're thinking about delivering, um, you know, devices and getting outside of the space that, they, that they're in traditionally. Um, they're doing very well, but I think that's something that South African industries are really struggling with, is being thinking outside of the box. Yeah, it, it interests me because I think a lot of South Africans confuse design for graphic design. So mm. we make pictures versus we solve business problems, which exactly. design plays in the problem space uh, in my head. Um, is that something you... Yeah, so it's about, you know, when, when someone lands on your website, what is the first thing that they're gonna see? Is it something that's compelling to them? And being able to deliver a message to a user that is unique to their experience is something that we believe is is very important. And customers that have embraced that, have we, we've seen a lot of good return for them. Uh, yeah. And that's primarily in the sales, I mean, because I'm interested no, quite a lot in the business process. So is it a sales driven? No, it's or? not sales. It's, you know, when we talk about conversions, it could be getting a person to sign up for a service. Okay. It could be getting a person to, to read something. A conversion could be a sale. It could be anything, but it's that is the process that we focus on, is converting whatever your pipeline is to actual sales yep. or, or marketing leads. Okay, because now that we've got the serious stuff out of the way, what are your guilty pleasures? What kind of content do you consume that you wouldn't want to necessarily share on this podcast? <laughs> um, I, I enjoy mobile gaming. Okay, what sort of games? Oh, I've played lots and lots of different ones. Yeah. Little things just to, to clear my mind, like um, uh, Clash of Clans okay. and things like that. And uh, so when are you playing that? Because, I mean, that's... Just in downtime, you know, just to try and clear your mind a little bit, yep. get your mind off things. Uh, that's about it. And do you have any kids? Because I see you're yeah, married. I do. My oh. son My son is 20, so he's not okay. a kid. <laughs> wow, he's 20 years old. You don't look old enough to have a son of 20. It must yeah, be the... It's a, it's a long story. <laughs> so the interesting thing about that is, what does he... I mean, what does he do? What does he do? He's studying um, electrical engineering. Oh, cool. Yeah. A geek. I that's always good geek. to hear. Um, and, and I was interested because, I mean, the gaming thing, is that something you share share with him or is he not a... No, he is a gamer, but he's more a far more practical guy than I am. He okay. he just loves breaking things, pulling things apart, putting them back together. So he's a, he's a true engineer. Okay. And uh, lastly, what who comes to mind when you think of success? Um, and you're not allowed to say Steve Jobs. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, I wouldn't actually say Steve Jobs. I would look. So who who do you model as success, or who do you see as success? I don't actually know. There's a lot of people that I, I look to what they've done and I think they've done very well for themselves. Um, but I'm still battling with a single person that stands out. You know, if you look at um, uh, Branson and you look at the, the classic guys, I, they are successful, but are they truly successful at what they do? Yeah. And that's... Uh, and when you define success, because I'm quite interested in that, is, yep. is it because maybe there's a suspicion that life isn't 
as perfect as we see it or is it it's a lot of that and it's also a lot of the guys have some really good pr behind them so are they truly the people that are driving the business that are as successful as they say they are um there's some real unsung heroes out there like i mean richard um uh, kaplan richard kaplan um you'll never hear you'll hear of him if you google him and And what's it sorry for the yeah he's he's a um adventurer in Africa okay. and he literally goes and does some weird things he's just one of the projects he just did is he swam down the Orange River that to me is is real success to swam do swam down the Orange River yeah with a paddle board okay right from source to sea I mean that's just crazy stuff but that you know that's a guy's passion that's what he yeah. wants to do and that to me is, is success is get out there do what you want to do and, and live your life given that you run the comrades mm. I mean what propels you to do something like that to yourself uh, it was a crazy objective that yep. we set. Um, I have two brothers, and we decided that we were going to do it together. Um, my one brother pulled out quite quickly, yep. but my other brother and I, we, we've done it twice together. Um, I wasn't able to run this year, but uh, we'll be back in the future. Um, Com- Comrades is a, it, it's, it's a, a life-changing event. It really is. It's something that you have to do once in your life, um, maybe twice, but it's, it's an interesting event. And did you do it back to back, up and down? Yes, I did back to back. The the whole thing of comrades is that you, you don't know where your end is yep. until you've done something like that because it shows you that you you really have some time and some investment to make and and it, it actually is a very rewarding project to get involved in. I've heard at the 75k mark your brain starts going into, uh, what have I done? Did that happen to you no, or yeah. did you... No, no, I'm too stubborn for that. Oh, really? <laughs> I knew that I was going to finish from the moment I started. Okay. And I took nearly took the full 12 hours of okay. first year. And, um, yeah, I finished and did it. Sure, that's all, that's so impressive because it seems like an un, unnatural feat to me. Mm. Um, and everyone I know who's done it says that, it, like you've said, is a life-changing event. Mm. Um, I wish I had the discipline to train. What was your training regime like that for, for that? I mean, did you train uh, hard? I did. I was never as hard as the other guys because they say that you should run like a thousand four hundred k's before you do comrades. That's that's crazy. I think it was on eight hundred and fifty k's, which I felt during yep. the race. Um, but y- you need to have discipline. But just with work and that, it's difficult to get it out. So six days a week, at least once or twice a day. And nutrition-wise, what did you change anything in your diet? To oh you? yeah, no, it changed everything. Lost I mean like twenty kg's through the process. Sure. It was. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> and if you had to pick one thing that you're optimizing for from a diet perspective while you're doing that, what was the like the key change? Did you focus on protein or carbs or less chocolate? Really? Okay. Well, <laughs> damn it! Yeah, I no, can't no, run. Chocolate, chocolate's the one thing that that's at least when you're running, you can eat more, but yeah. you shouldn't. Um, but yeah, it's a good event. Okay. But I there's also other thing, crazy things. I mean, there's a guy here, Robbie Ricardo, who's a a lawyer. And um, he does the most amazing, um, life-changing things. He, he's a adventure sports guy, does Ironman and all these things. And, and I joined him this year to do, last year, sorry, to do the double 94.7. So you rode it and then rode it again? Yeah, twice. I rode it once and that was enough for me. <laughs> and uh, that's, sure. Yeah, and we raised money for charity. It okay. was part of the, the chalk thing, get dressed up as mad, uh, supercars. Yep. And uh, we raised uh, a stupid amount of money. Um, but it was really, li- it was really interesting to get involved in that because it was. And uh, his name again was Robbie Ricardo. Robbie Ricardo. So did, did he have any training tips? Because it sounds like this is the kind of thing that. Yeah, he he's he's a madman. Yeah. I mean, he has a man cave that he goes into. A man cave. Yeah. It's essentially a, a like a training room with yep. TVs and everything hooked up, and he 
he literally lives in there to to make sure that he's ready to. to and did you get a crack into the man cave? No, no, not yet, not yet. <laughs> so I'd be interested to see in there. I mean, that sounds like a, I don't know whether that's hell or heaven. A man cave full of screen, screens and workout equipment. When you're not training for mountain biking or running, are you doing any other forms of exercise or that's it mainly? Yeah, I, I do lots of other things as well. Um, I've done the doozy 10 times, 12 okay. times. Um, so I enjoy being outdoors. Yeah. And, and that gives you the ability to, to change your thought process and just look at things differently. Cool. And that's a wrap. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it.